This is a Save or Die special report. Hi, this is DM Jim here with a Save or Die field report recorded live at UConn Game Convention held in Ypsilanti, Michigan the weekend of November 20th through 21st, 2015. The following is the OSR discussion panel, Old School Cityscapes. The hosts were Gamers and Grognards Ryan Thompson and Drink Spin Run podcaster Adam Miskevich. The panelists were Guest of Honor Bill Webb of Frog God Games, Industry Insider Jim Wampler from Goodman Games and this very podcast, OSR track sponsor John Reist, Tim Snyder of Goblinoid Games, and Bill Barsh of Paysetter Games. Enjoy. Welcome to the OSR seminar for UConn 2015. Tonight we will be talking about... Uh, Cities and gaming is essentially the topic. Nothing's off to, nothing is uh, out of bounds. Talk about what we want. <coughs> I'm Ryan Thompson, the OSR track coordinator for UConn. It's my lovely, lovely co-host Adam Skevich. Howdy, folks. Sorry, he's a very folks. The cutest baby. I'd like to introduce one of our panelists tonight is our guest of honor this year, Bill Webb. Frogger Games. Jim Wampler of Goodman Games and uh, Save or Die Podcast. Bill Barsh of Local Game Company, Paysetter Games and Simulations. Tim Snyder of Savage F World fame uh, and co-author of Crypt World. The, the man who was actually made possible, the guest that we have here this year, John Reese of Open Gaming. <laughs> Buy his stuff so he can keep doing this for us. Please. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I don't know who we want to start out with, but uh, nothing is out of bounds. Guys can talk about any experiences that we want to involving uh, city and urban adventures, through gaming history, favorite cities, cities you've created, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay. I mean, I I, I, I I got a lot of experience yeah, with cities, I guess, yeah. and I and I can definitely fill some fill some time, man. Uh, <laughs> so you know, back back in the day when uh, when at least the us two old farts started playing. Um, pretty much everything was dungeon crawls, right? And so, you know, you had outdoor and wilderness adventures, and you, that's what you went on. And the wilderness was really scary because you could get 300, you know, orcs every, for a wandering monster encounter, or you could get, you know, 2D, you know, 2D12 uh, hill giants would be an average wandering monster in the wilderness. And so the, the concept of the city um, exterior to uh, the, uh, the Blackmore supplement that was really early in the Judges Guild history um, was really not thought of very much. Everybody knew there was this great city of Greyhawk, but nobody really had a city supplement. And so a regular adventure would be, okay, we go off, we go through the wilderness, we barely survive the wandering monsters in the wilderness because the wilderness is very scary. We get to the safety of the dungeon, we <laughs> kill the monsters, we steal their socks, and then we haul ass through the wilderness to get back to the city, and then that was about it. So you met a dark stranger in a bar, and Aragorn sat back there and gave you another mission to go do. <laughs> and um, anyway, and that was basically how cities, for the first several years of the game, you know, nobody did very much with any kind of city adventure. And then Bob Bledsaw and the boys 
Um, and actually, I, Bob wasn't first. Bob would have been second. Um, the first one, this first city that I can think of that came out was in the Empire of the Pedal Throne box set. Mm -hmm. And they actually detailed uh, quite a bit about the city. Now, that city might have been more dangerous than the wilderness uh, because of the weird, you know, six-armed guys walking around and the, and the evil politics of the of the stuff and the fact that there were no saving throws against magic when people would cast a spell at you. But I think that would probably qualify as the first city I can think of, and that was in 1975. And then in early 76, um, and this of course is very near and dear to my heart, um, there was a there was an ability to subscribe to this new company Judges Guild for a, for you could buy this initial installment for I think it was four dollars and ninety five cents, and then for twenty bucks they promised they'd send you something six times a year. Um, those of you who don't know, I probably pretty sure either myself and I think I've got Marshall beat now um, have the, I probably have the largest Judges Guild collection in the world. I'm a big fan of Judges Guild, and I've got you know two or three copies of each of the of everything they ever made, uh, including um, initial installments still in envelopes and stuff like that. But we got this neat little city that was a pamphlet about that big, with about 16 pages that described what later became the city state of the Invisible Overlord. And the neat part about that is like the dudes in shops had names and it had random tables for okay if you want to buy if you found a hippogriff egg how much is it worth. Because the whole thing was, oh, hippogriff eggs, oh, those are worth something because you can, you know, make them into hippogriffs someday, maybe. Um, and then out of that... Well, hard enough when a hippogriff comes in. Exactly, yeah. Totally right. <laughs> and so, and so, so out of that, um, you know, Bob and, and, and Bill Owen um, spawned a pretty cool supplement. And by about 1978, um, uh, you know, they had fully detailed out the City State of the Invincible Overlord into a pretty nice book with detailing about 500 different shops. It had... Uh, cool rules and stuff like that, and I think almost everybody who was playing D&D &D in about 1978 and 79 used the City State of the Invincible Overlord as Greyhawk, as whatever city they called their homebrew city, as the City State of the Invincible Overlord if they were playing in a Wilderlands type campaign, or as any other city. We go to the city, we need to find a Boyer Fletcher to make us arrows. Can we find an elf who can make magic arrows? You know, I don't know, can you? You go to, you know, go to Teal Street, and lo and behold, there's, you know, some guy with a with a hilarious, uh, uh, usually uh, uh, some sort of rhyming name that Bob had written in that was an elf that made arrows. So that that guy's that guy's Boyer Fletcher shop was in every city in the world because boy, if you needed to find that, you'd do that. And then that was really good, and it, it was a nice city, and especially when they added the the dungeons beneath the city with the with the product of Wraith Overlord, and that's where the adventuring in the city got really good because then every DM who found that thing started saying, hey. What if my characters? What if my player characters get into a fight in the city and get arrested? What happens to them? Well, we throw them in the in the dungeon. What's the dungeon? And most of the time, was you'd throw them in, you'd steal their stuff, or you'd take some money away from them, or you know, or whatever. They pull in some political favor from Aragorn, who'd sent them on the last seven missions. Or, but the neat part of that was in the city state, you get thrown in the dungeon, man. They threw you in the dungeon, and you had to find your way out. And if you found your way out and you, you lived through it, great, you were free. And that was sort of the, the rule around there. You had to get past Emig the Fourth with the auto cannon. Though. That was always really <clears throat> um, and so that was that was sort of the first foray into a usable supplement that everybody could use use for a city, uh, and it was it was stock and trade for everybody I ever played with for for many many years, um, and it's been redone now. Well, we did it. Uh, Mayfair did it, uh, and I think the judges guild guys are redoing it right yeah. now. Actually, I know they are because I pledged their big pledge, so I get yeah. to be the invincible. I get to be the the dwarven. I'm, I'm now I'm now the dwarven king. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 
Uh, Marshall was mad as hell when I pledged because I got it right before he pushed the button. He called. He actually called me and said, "Damn it, that was you, wasn't it?" And I was like, "Yeah." Um, then the the interesting thing from there was um, still the, the main focus of the game and the main focus of, of certainly of TSR and of Judges Guild and everybody else was still on the outdoors and wilderness and under and underground. And they had that one city and everybody sort of used bits and pieces of it. Um, and then a really interesting thing happened in about 1982 and. Uh, this is something that is fairly obscure, though you can still find copies on eBay occasionally. Um, there was a company that came up called Game Lords, and um, they wrote a, a system called called Thieves Guild, um, where almost the entire focus of the adventure in the campaign was city-based. It's all urban. It's all urban. And so the trick was all the characters had to be thieves. That was, that was given piece number one. Uh, number two was they wrote a detailed city called the Free City of Haven, which is about 30, 40 bucks, maybe maybe 50 if you find a really nice copy on eBay these days. Uh, and, the, and then the adventures were stuff like go to the Duke's Grand Duke's dress ball and pick people's pockets and rip off brooches off of stupid noble ladies and, uh, and mug, the, mug the guy who's the silversmith that's transversing from city to city. And the entire focus, really, of that whole Game Lords line, and I want to say they produced about 15 or 16 books before the, the lead author um, was killed in a car wreck, actually, um, was, and Tadashi just won't let those rights go, man. I've been fighting, fighting to get them for a while. But, but the main focus of that really was urban adventures. And um, myself and a bunch of other people I know then used the City State of the Invincible Overlord because it was an actual D&D speak instead of the Free City of Haven, which was not. It was in something with way too many stats. Uh, and we used, but we used a lot of those adventures in the early days. We'd, we'd use the, the uh, you know, find the treasure map, and then you have to go down in the sewers of the city to get the thing and that type of thing. So it was sort of almost a modified dungeon crawl a lot of times. But the real difference was in the early 80s, um, and then Harn and, you know, 2,000 other guys came out with various other cities that were much, much less detailed than those, those two priors. Um, and Judges Guild also, you guys, of course, you know, they did the Tyrannus book, which is sort of a... Uh, I guess a Byzantine uh, feel to a city, and then the city state of the world emperor, which the fatal flaw in that thing is the map's not freaking numbered. So you've got something twice as big as the city state of the invincible world with a map of a city with no code keys on it of where anything is, and that was that was it was really tough to use that one. So everybody pretty much just dropped back to the city state. But but uh, the real difference in that in that era of the game was that instead of just you know going in and buying. Uh, a mule, 10 iron spikes, a backpack, a, ten, a 12, 11 foot pole is the joke in my game. They always buy 11 foot poles. Uh, and, uh, and that type of thing at the, at the local vendor, um, it actually codified itself into part of the adventure. And that was, really, that was really something new that was done. And you can even see that through later modules with things like what TSR did, like Village of Hamlet. And even when Gary Gygax wrote Necropolis with Legendary Adventures, a lot of the focus of the early parts of those adventures we're on interaction within a town or a city. Well, nothing becomes easy with a city. Uh, it's hard. Or public city, right? Not, nothing, nothing comes easy. And, and the beauty, I mean, go back to the city state is, okay, we go back to the city and we want to buy a bunch of arrows. Like you said, hey, forget it. That was the hardest thing in the world to do. You start rolling on those charts and, yeah, you know, yeah. you're, the next thing, you're, the next thing you know, you're in an alley and there's eight ogres standing there. Right. Okay? Um, that was the beauty of the city state was the, was, was the, the randomness of the whole thing yeah. But still codified one giant product. 
Yeah. It's a fantastic map. I mean, everyone used it. You're right. Everyone really used good. it for every city they ever went in because that's just what you needed to do yep. with that product. And it, it holds true today as, as OSR gamers in this room. I mean, you can pull out City State today and use it every bit as you could back in 1977. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And uh, it makes it a fantastic product. And I, I don't know that anyone's really come along and match that yeah. feel or, or even content to a yeah. large degree. And I'm not, as much as you love Judges Guild, I'm not this huge. I, oh yeah, I love their stuff. Is. It's just, but some you read it and you just gotta pull your hair out. Like you gotta be kidding me, you know. But and I know there's a certain greatness to that. But in that, well, what part? Like there's a alley cat that's a demigod. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm behind alley cats as demigods. I no, it, it, it's that, cool. That alley cat's it, name is Hamaracus, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there is a certain beauty to it, but that's kind of what I was saying with, with the city state. There's nothing easy about going to the city state and doing anything, right? Yeah. As as it, it, what cities to me do in the game, it does transform your game into, hey, go find this for me. You know, I lost this incredibly important artifact that will rule the world, but you know, I just misplaced it. Go find it on the wilderness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, great, we did all that. Now we go back to the city and we want to take it easy. There is no taking it easy in, in, in those kinds of things. And that's well, I think it depends on the scope of the game. I mean, at least sure. at least no. these days, right. I mean, um, there's a difference between having. A game that's city centric and a game where it's like city incidental. Absolutely, and it seems yeah. like you know, like like even now, I mean, it's perfectly reasonable to have a game where the city is incidental, you know, or maybe there's a single city adventure, you know, where you actually do something in town. Um, it, it, I, I think that in a lot of ways, that either way you go, whether it's incidental or you know centric. Um, it feels like there's there's so many different things that you can do with with that city. Um, I'm not. I'm gonna tell you, Bill. I'm not. A, I love Judges Guild. Oh, yeah. I am not a fan of knowing where every single freaking thing is. That drives me crazy. Yeah. But the nice thing about the Judges Guild product is you don't freaking need don't that. Need to, yeah. Like if no. you uh, you know if you pull out like ready ref sheets, they have the same stuff that's reprinted from that you was know. Nice yeah, yeah. Right. seriously, yeah. right? Yeah. That's all. I'm gonna roll two well, that, a bunch the, of times on these charts. Thing that came in the basically the ready ref city portion of the ready ref sheets is what came out in that original supplement that you bought when you bought. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, and the dungeon attack cards those were cool too. I think they added they the added dungeon. like a couple of things from the uh, like like the ruins generator, you know, to I. Yeah, there, there, you right there. there, there you go. There you thing. Uh, if you, if go. you are an old school gamer who does not have one of those, yeah, uh, get your hands on one. It's yeah. awesome, and you can get them fairly cheap. Yeah, it's what's his name? The, the well, guy, Mike Battlelotto. Mike Battlelotto's got, got, got like 500 cases copies of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, other, the other thing, the interesting thing, and I'll go ahead and plug this guy's, this guy's stuff, and I can never remember his name, but you, the D30 guy. Oh, uh, his, LeBlanc. His, uh, LeBlanc. Richard LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Yeah, yeah. His stuff is fantastic for that. Uh, and it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's D30 based, but it's called all the product. They're, they're for sale in there someplace, yeah. but, but they're just they're just awesome <laughs> for readily generated city stuff. Roy's booth. Yeah, Roy's booth, yeah. But then, um, and so I, I do have to shamelessly plug. Okay, so we started a Kickstarter today for the Blight, which is a Paris-like, 12th century Paris-like city. It's out today. We're already 13,000 bucks. All right. Um, after about six hours. Um, and then, of course, um, you know, like I, was, like I was saying earlier, how things got... You're right. It, can be, it doesn't have to be city-centric necessarily. Keep on yeah. the borderlands. Great example. Right. Absolutely. And, um, but then, but then sure. as well, like while that's still you know the city or the keep, yeah. you know, there, um, it's incidental, but it's so uh, anthemic to yeah. to that adventure. I mean, how much time does Gary spend on talking about the freaking keep? Right. And yeah, I'll, okay, I'm going to break my own rule of saying you know I don't care where everything is. 
and knowing where everything is there, it's only like five things, so it's not right. hard to right. hard to deal with. Right. But uh, that really tells you what he what he chose to write about in the limited space that he had to actually like you know include the city part of the adventure. Um, and that really tells you a lot about you know how it should feel. Yeah. You know yeah. to to be there in that place. Well, it can change the dynamic. I think absolutely is where I was getting at with 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 having to see with everything laid out. And I agree. I I as much as I love them, I hardly ever use them. Right, cities. I just don't. And not that because I don't like them or anything mm-hmm. else, but uh, you know, most adventure is out, right? Yeah. But it gives you an opportunity every once in a while. You just want to change it up. You know, there's right. plenty of products out there, and it, it will totally change your game. It'll be a totally different game, like you said, than than yeah. than, than traditional adventure. Right. Yeah, so, think, absolutely. Totally yeah, change your I think, game. I think I think Bill makes a, a good point, and that's uh, like a, almost a tonal shift. Uh, for your players, yep. uh, you know, because uh, if you're running an outdoor adventure or a dungeon crawl, you know, your 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 players have this particular mindset exactly. uh, mm-hmm. that <coughs> the moment that city it, is a safe place. Precisely, the moment they and get the dungeon to is a bad place. Precisely, <laughs> and if you decide to to shift it to to an urban setting for the city, uh, suddenly it's 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 almost a you know it's no longer a dungeon crawl. It's no longer murder hover. Murder Hobo Central. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a degree of interaction with NPCs that you don't have in the dungeons. Uh, there's a degree of having this veneer of civility uh, that they now have to do. Um, so there is this this tonal shift that the players need to buy into if you're even going to have a city-based adventure. If that's what you've already done, uh, if you've already had the the outdoor dungeon crawl kind of yeah. kind of you know slaughter fest, yeah, and you can you can expose them to different dynamics of, of terror and fear. Right. It doesn't all have to be a monster who charges right. in the corridor. It could be. Hey, you broke the law. I mean, what, what's that thing in city state, right? If you're not a certain level, you can't wear plate mail over walking right. around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Right. The gang that's running around. Yeah, yeah. 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 You can do the society kind, in right. charge of suppressing yeah. riffraff. Yeah, yeah. Like you can that. do all kinds of fun stuff with it and put a little bit of you know a fear in, in, in like so just change the tone. That's a yeah. perfect way of asking. That's better than I could ever say it. It just change it up. I, I'm, I'm going to side a little bit with Adam, not that there's, there's no sides. sides. There's no sides. There's well, no sides. We're all on the same side. What I think we're talking around is judging style, because there yeah. are different judging styles yeah, yeah. And, oh. and different group styles that they have. And yeah. the uh, I, I'm much more on the side of laissez-faire urban environments, yeah. because for in my campaigns, it's there for a reason. It's there to be a gold sink for the players. It's there for them to sure. restock and rearm, <laughs> lay up, get charged too much for a tavern, yep. an in-room, that kind of stuff, and to pick up plot oaks. Yep. And that's all I need it for. And the other side of that for the players is, I've, I learned the hard way way back in the day, is if you just lay the city-state out and cut them loose without anything, as much as I'm in favor of uh, encouraging player agency, you know, an entire table full of players will just wander the Every city yeah, wander. aimlessly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's the never-ending sandbox. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and that's not fun for me. And that's what I think as a, a judge. lot of times. I, I try to make the cities less the adventure than, because it's so open-ended that it's hard to prepare. I mean, you know, you don't want to prepare for every opportunity or every every possibility. Well, there, there are like 500 like, NPCs that you suddenly have to voice and exactly. give personalities to. Exactly. Nobody and, wants and to do that. That's a lot of work. I don't know. Well, well, I, I don't know, man. I like doing I, that. I like doing that. Yeah, I like doing that. That's for me. I, I fly by the seat of my pants probably about 95 percent of the time when I'm GMing. I've got uh, five voices, man. I get just so much. Uh, you know, I I I, I kind of I will admit that I prepare to improvise. You know, okay. so there's um, you know, and I'll draw from whatever experience I'm having at the time. You know, if I've just seen a bunch of episodes of a particular TV show, I might like you know like grab onto a couple like character ideas, or you know, if I was reading something, I might grab an adjective here or there, like oh, I'm gonna apply this to a character. Um, uh, prep 
for me in an urban campaign just uh, I will show you my problem. Well, the problem I have it here with me. Of times I got the problem. Clear that somebody wants to, to rob the tavern. And sure. Like, well, now we have to stand out the bartender. I got to stand out the winch. I got to stand out. Why? The guy that's Why do you have to do that? Well, because what? <laughs> no, you well, don't. The player wants to believe they've got a real shot of actually beating the bartender. Yeah. Okay, okay. And this is why I love Judges Guild products because that tavern is being run by a guy who's, no shit. who's a devil on the run and his fireplace is a right. portal yeah. to the ninth right. right. hell. Right. So start start something in that tavern. And that's a two way door. Yeah. Here's the thing though, there's there's, there's two real great uses to um, that I've found. Um, that kind of transcend a little bit more, even than what you're saying. You're wanting to rob something or yeah. everything else, and one of them is you create it so they so it is a, a home a home happy place that right. they like, and they get to know the bartender, and then the bartender so needs money it. from them. Or, but then you can wreck that, and then yeah, man, totally right. You're having so much yeah. fun with it this way. Mark Donkers, right back there, can tell you that I am very much in favor of burning down everything you bet. the players you build. And that's in, in terms of using it as a gold sink. You know, that's where um, I mean, Jillian could probably tell you some good stories about how like they had a they had a, 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 a vendor in the town square thing her character had an intelligence of four. Oh no right and um, and she she for such for, she had catnip all the time so the little the cats the cats get stories longer than that but the, the cats would follow her around anyway so she decided she wanted to go get some cats and so she went to this vendor and she's dumb as a stump right and she's like can you, you know how do I get a kitten and he goes I can get you a kitten kind of kittens do you want <laughs> so after like selling her the 11th kitten for like five gold pieces each that he had his buddy going and grab out of the alley from all the feral cats he actually he actually felt guilty because he's like jesus i've been you know i just this chick just gave me a hundred gold pieces for these kittens well, to be you know fair, I had like thousands she was loaded she was one of the sole survivors of Matt's games type thing anyway so so anyway, she's, so the guy, he ended up being kind of a, like a character then that they'd interact with when they go back to the city and he'd send them on to a patron. No. <laughs> he'd, become, he'd become a patron. He actually felt, I mean, was like, he was like, you know, a neutral evil merchant. He actually was like, oh man, this is just wrong. I can't do this anymore. You know, this is so evil. But they became a patron. And so then he became kind of an adventure point focus where the, when they went back to Bargegate, um, they would always go and they'd, they'd hang out with this guy and they'd visit with him and he'd put him up in a... You know, uh, spare bedrooms in his mansion and that kind of thing. Because he knew he could fleece them for a couple of hundred gold pieces when they were there. They didn't mind. They weren't getting mugged or robbed or their mm-hmm. stuff stolen while they were in the city. And it, it worked out. It worked out as a very long-term kind of uh, uh, fun interaction where I really got to develop a half dozen of the characters in the in the city and that kind of thing. The other thing about destroying what they love. Look at something like Keep on the Borderlands, man. How those humanoids siege that thing after they become friends with the, the little kid that works for the blacksmith as a fetch and carry kid and they kill that kid or something. Right. You can piss a party off. They're mad, man. They'll go out there immediately. They, go out on, they just go on the rampage. And same thing if you have the bandits siege the town where they're, you know, their henchmen came from or stuff like that. There's some really, you can either make them love it or um, I, I've had a lot of luck in. Because I hate running city adventures too. They're a nightmare, man. It's the endless maze, like you said. But it's a DM trap, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just it's I like that trap. I'm gonna say no, I love great. living in that well, trap. It's, it's, it's different if you go in with an adventure. Okay, this is right. a town crawl adventure, and you're prepped for it. That's different. Right. Yeah, right. It's really hard. Um, to, really hard. Wicked. I agree with you a thousand percent because what I think it lets you do as a DM is it does let you fly by the seat of your pants a lot more than it does a, a straight line module mm-hmm. adventure, right? A city gives you an opportunity to do things that you don't normally get to do 
when you say running, you know, A1, B1, whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. right? It, it does give you that, that little more open-endedness, and that, that's the thing that's why I said it's a DM trap, because you can set yourself up for, okay, you guys are doing this, this, oh, shit, next week I got to prepare for all this yeah. crap. Well, and I think but, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the reasons that work is because we have, you know, as modern human beings, we are primarily urban, right? And so we have, you know, we all have city experience that we can draw from. This is what it's like to live with a bunch of other people. Um, it's fantastic to go into the wilderness and go into dungeons because we don't have those experiences, right? But you know, uh, we can take you know any of our daily experiences and translate that into a city game. That, well, that's yeah, precisely. As a matter of fact, how many of us here, when we're running uh, an environment where there are a lot of NPCs, have drawn on people that we know in real life, our family? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, yeah my, my players have met basically cousins uh, of mine. <laughs> uh, they have met uh, college roommates. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they don't know it's Ragnar the barbarian as far as they're concerned, but they don't know it's actually Steve Thea Harris who I roomed with for two years. Right. Um, so and I, I, think, I think that's a, a really good uh, uh, point that you made, and that is that you know, when you are running an urban environment, there is a, a point where you're preparing, but there's also a point where you're like, okay, I'm just drawing from what I know mm-hmm. and just translating it into uh, the fantasy setting I'm doing, the sci-fi setting I'm doing, the, the horror setting I'm doing, uh, because Helm, it's, it's a lot easier. Yeah. Well, you're talking about writing 101. You always have your writer's notebook in your head. I mean, just an hour and a half ago, I did a side quest to the Ypsilanti Walmart to get index cards. And it was an adventure getting down that road and getting in the park, in and out of the parking lot. Yeah. And you're going to use that in the game later. <laughs> I sure will. Absolutely. 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 So, what, do you, what questions, comments, right. thoughts? Why don't you guys throw some brain power into us? Yeah, we're blabbering. How about the city is like a bad place? Like, I'm running a Dark Sun game, and most of the cities of the setting of Dark Sun are places you want to avoid because you know, they're controlled by villains. www.kickstarter.com, look up the blight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I, by the way, what you, what you just said, it is shameless, but I'm not kidding. I'm totally serious. It's a bad city. You don't want to be there. It's uh, Matt Finch wrote a joke, you know, to, to Soft Kitty, Warm Kitty, a song to this. Hold on, I got I to gotta share this with everybody. It's hilarious. So it's uh, so Finch Finch was obviously bored this afternoon, and after he after the <laughs> Kickstarter launched, it's, yeah, it's, uh, must it's, be nice. <laughs> evil, evil, evil city, dark city, deadly place to be, creepy city, Gollum city, flee, flee, flee. <laughs> it will be. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make, the, I'm gonna make my, all four of my teenage girls sing it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it is a shameless plug. But yeah, that's really the the idea. Of, is, is that, yeah, it's not a very nice city. Bardsgate's the fluffy, happy city, sort of. That'll be out in June, but it's, it's a really different feel from this well, one. Well, let's build upon that. Okay, so you have a city that is dangerous, it's evil. Uh, how would you motivate your players into visiting such a place or just steering clear of it completely? I mean, with, with me, at least, um, I mean, I've got a goblin city on the 13th level or the 10th level of Rappanathic, right? Mm-hmm. You can go there. You can trade. They're all psyched as long as, you know... You know, as you long as know what you're getting into, yeah, as long as you know what you're getting into, and and acknowledging that, um, you know, you would be the Phoenician trader showing up in Rome, so your rights are pretty limited, right? And if you screw up, if there's a dispute, they're going to blame you. Um, so again, we get back to what Jim said earlier about a gold sink. It's a great gold sink because you might be you might be losing double the money. Then again, you could be safe down there in the Goblin City versus you know cruising around getting eaten by vampires one level lower. Well, there's a point well, to, use, to use Andrews. Um, like example of Dark Sun, uh, in that whole world of Dark Sun, uh, you you might not be safe in the cities, 
but where the hell else are you going to go? Yeah, I, know. I mean, Especially that is the, that the whole world. Like the, yeah. the world is deadlier than the cities. The cities are deadly. The world is even deadlier. Yeah. You know, you are going to die What's when Mad you're not Max, outside. Right? I mean, that's basically Dark Sun is Mad Max. I always think of it as Barsoom and Dune yeah. having, a, having a baby. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the question because mainly in the last 30 years, I've run a post-apocalyptic campaign, either Game mm, World or yeah, yeah. Rock Classics. And so there are no urban environments except, I mean, there's a home village in the hothouse jungle that's bamboo huts with a wooden palisade. That's their home base, and that's right. where they tank back up. The urban environments are all ruins from thousands of years ago, and that's easy, baby. They're dungeons. That, that's where the artifacts that's are. flipping it around. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. squaring the circle. Actually, that's a good point. It, it does, does really look around. Yeah. Provided 50 taverns, 50 blacksmith shops, 50. There, there, there are a couple. There is a couple. Uh, you know, I would, I would look on like RPG now. I'll bet somebody like or, yeah. somebody has. Yeah, right on your store too. Sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah. 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 No, sorry, but that's true. There actually were a couple, and I don't remember who made them. But there's there's like a couple of companies that do just like lists of things, you know. Yeah. I'm sure that. seems like a way to get away from the trap because I agree. I'm getting ready to start a city, mm-hmm. and the problem is, just like you said, 95 percent of the city they're never going to go to. Right. You yeah. Know, don't don't spend your time describing it. it. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of what you want is in that ready ref sheet that you can still yeah, get for is, eight or nine bucks today um, on eBay. I, I started. A, I had a campaign a couple years ago. I ran it as a Pathfinder campaign. I started it off in a small. I, I described it as it's a mining logging village. And I basically, I just did a couple sentences on the main NPCs in town, the ones I thought they would be most likely to interact with, the jeweler, the blacksmith, I'm the guard, the guard, the guards at the gate, <laughs> who's the mayor, who's the, and I gave a physical description of each. But then I figured, you know, if they go off the map and figure go somewhere completely unexpected, I would just make that up as I went. Mm-hmm. There was a company that did, and I don't remember the name of them, in the early 80s that did, like, I think they called it the complete something or other. They did, look, they did a complete tavern, they did the complete, yeah. uh, God, well, Complete Taverns is still as 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 um gay, uh, the same guys. Is that Flying Buffalo? Field. Might have been Flying Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they had a bunch like, of those in the yeah. they did like, late seventies. They, they did like a, yeah, they did like yeah. books that would have like forty that's shops in it. That and that that's one of the things. Those are tough to find, but Flying Buffalo did all the city books. Which yeah, was like each one yeah, has like ten or twelve fully detailed locations that. It's like, hey, I want to go find a temple of blah, blah, or I want to go find a candle shop. It's like, well, where the hell am I going to find it? I can make this up on the fly, or, hey, this is actually interesting. There's a freaking candle shop in this book. Check out the D30 stuff that's for sale in there. Um, it's at that, the OSR booth, one of them. Um, yeah, they're real. That stuff, I mean, the, 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 there's stuff like that in there. Just page through it, see what you see. It's, it's awesome. It's really good. It's like the ready the, ref sheets. The one, the one of those books that's I think most uh, appropriate is the the, the sandbox companion. Yeah. Um, yes. The yeah. other one's a DM's companion. Um, that one's not to me. It's not as useful. It's yeah. more, that's it's, more. It's like, also more heavily yeah. geared strictly towards here's extra stuff you can drop in the dungeon or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's the green one, right? No. The, the green one's the, the one that I don't recommend. It's the blue one. The blue one's the one I do. Yeah. And then and that, supplements I, or pills. Yeah. There's a, we also produce a book like Find this. out what happens. It's out of print, sadly. Now, it is out of print. And they're the gone. Book, the sold the last three copies in, at GameHole Con a couple weeks ago called The uh, Tome of Adventure. Uh, oh, I've got it's got big copy. chunks in there for oh, that's city a good random book. That's generation. A great huh. I've got a box full of those. You do. You yeah, got the, you got all of them. Go buy them from him. I got a box got them. Yeah. That's it. They're gone. I got a whole more box back in my house. I'm not getting many left now. That's one of my favorite books. That's a great book. That and... Somebody needs to get with uh, 
Um, Goodman in that uh, city version of the Alphabet books. Yeah. The other thing so you could do, Matt more. Finch did a book of city, ran, actually, the Randomized City Adventures. It's on Lulu. You can get it on Lulu. It probably costs about 10 bucks. This is still, it's Mythmere. Mythmir Publications. He's actually my partner now, but this predates our, our me acquiring the company. It's possible um, if you go look at, at, um, the, at, at uh, Roy's booth that he might have that because he's got some He might Matt's, have it. He has some of some Matt's, Matt's old stuff. stuff over there. Um, yes. John Hirschberger and those guys are the ones who, who produced the hard copies of them, but Lulu still do, does make them. Let me see if I can find it. Because um, it, it, what it has, okay, what it has is it has like 300 NPCs with a paragraph about each one in like a little strip that big. It'll say, and all it says is, a level five fighter, he, uh, it'll have like a couple of sentences about his motivations or goals, like he's really, he's really a psycho killer in disguise, or he has a, you know, he, he's in love with the, the, the woman who runs the dairy farm or something like that. And that, you know, there might be some interesting thing about him, like he, you know, he has a treasure map for sale, or there might not be anything interesting about him. He just is a dude who's in love with the milk milkmaid. Um, and he's a, you know, and his profession is this. Um, and then in addition to that, it's got, like, randomized tables of different shops and stuff like that. Um, it's pretty good. We, ha we, haven't, we just haven't redone it yet. It's actually a lot like the Tome of Adventure Design, but it is very specific to a city. What's that other book? Did you have a thousand tables or something like that? The book of a thousand tables? Or you had... Oh, I, well, yeah, I have a book. I, well, there's two. There's one that's treasures and one that's okay. encounters, but none of them are city. Okay. There are city encounters in it, but it's, uh, we have a yeah, mother of all treasure that's tables, mother of all, yeah. uh, those are all out of print, too. Um, I think they're, we still sell them as PDFs, but they're gone. My favorite book like that is probably The Dungeon Dozen. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good book. Mm -hmm. there, there's another book that hits that area that's city specific that has come out within the past ten years <laughs> twice that we haven't yeah. even mentioned yet. Yeah, I don't know how we that, got this far that, without that, talking about that, it. That Zach S's is born 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 published by Lamentations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing is for I a slim of a book. It is. It's such a good. You got <laughs> that at your booth? Well, I got the small Lamentations of Flame Princess. Okay. Oh, but not. But not Vornheim. Okay. I've got Vornheim. In that case, the alley cat's not a demigod. He just has an open relationship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that, as far as recent city books that have come out, that one is kind of tops. And I will say that, for me at least, that's something that I've drawn a lot of inspiration from. Um, rather than Because it, it is a little bit more improvisational than... Um, you know some of the you know the, the earlier stuff. I mean, you know, I, I like I said, I still have a lot of love for the earlier stuff that tells you where stuff is. But you know, I like the the flow of you know uh, of of Vornheim, where you know, oh, you, you just you, you draw the the city by writing the numbers on a piece of paper, and then you know it, it doesn't it doesn't even matter. And you're looking at things more in a, in a district kind of uh, perspective than anything else. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I uh, I run a lot of city games. Um, uh, tonight, after this, I'll be running my, you know, uh, a night in Ur Haddad um, uh, thing for DCC, which I don't prep at all for, except for immediately before the session. Um, and I wanted to share my prepping tools with you guys. Because the first is this novel by Italo Calvino called Invisible Cities. And if you haven't read it, I do recommend it. It's a super thin read. This is my random table. The, this is. I'm going to flip to a page in here. I'm going to get a description of a city, and that's what the that's where the adventure is going to be based. There's a part of the city that's like this, and it's that's what it's going to be. 
Um, and I guess I, because of my own personal style, I take a lot of plots from Burroughs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Cities of the Red Knight is the is the thing that's currently on my like I'm gonna steal something from this, and that's ended up with some really weird stuff getting you know because it's William S. Burroughs. That's ended up with some weird stuff happening in my games, but big deal. That's that's what why you're coming to my table anyway, right? right. So yeah, exactly. What I, right. What I love about what you just shared, even though it doesn't relate directly to those particular books, is. That's, that's a keystone to what we're talking about. The only reason to have an urban environment in a fantasy role-playing game is that it, to the extent that you can simulate the Appendix N literature. Because it can't be a boring town. Punjar, Urherdot. Your particular Appendix N is gonna, might Conan not be... Conan the Barbarian couldn't go yeah. two plunks drunk, drunk without running into an Elder God. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? And that's what the players want. Civilization, that's what they should I think when you brought the Dark Sun City, that's really hit upon it. I mean... City does have to have a vibe. It just can't be yeah, city. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It has to have some sort of vibe. Aesthetics are important, I mean. right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Generic medieval town? Who's going there? Boring, I don't care. Right. No and thanks, man. Just pull the village of Hamlet out and go. You don't need anything yeah. else. But right. But And there's nothing wrong with village of Hamlet. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's got to have a vibe. Yeah. Right? And it, it's a, it could be an evil vibe. It could be uber good vibe. It could be you know merchant vibe, whatever. But it, it, it that does help you too as a DM. Absolutely. Of. It, well, once you have an aesthetic in mind, then you know how along what lines are you going to improvise. <laughs> along what lines? It's your guide. Way. You know, right. it's going to well, tell you where to go with things. Yeah, when you have a choice, which way does this go? You go towards your aesthetic, and you can't be steered right. wrong. Precisely. Right. Actually, what you're doing is is basically you're giving your city a, it's yet another NBC. The city itself yeah. is yeah. a living, breathing mm-hmm. creature. Yeah, absolutely. Another book that should be mentioned that we have is Joe Browning's book, Magical Medieval Society. Magical Mystical oh, okay. Medieval Society. That's another one that um, that's another one that would have lots and lots of random tables and stuff for you to spot generate a you know a, a blacksmith shop. Um, that's probably still available at least as a PDF someplace. I don't know if you can buy the original. Then the other thing, and you know, this is a lot of what we were talking to. He did a second edition of that like, fairly recently too. Mm-hmm. And got a gold any for the first one. I know he was he did a, he was a really did a really nice job on it. Well, a lot of what you guys were saying, particularly Jim and Bill, and what I said earlier too, is get a city product, whether it's city, state of the invincible, overlord, or whatever. Cars, index Cars? the sucker, oh, yeah, and say Cars, I need this guy, I need this shot. Just pull it out and use it. I mean, it's you don't have to use it as a cohesive animal. Um, I certainly don't. I, hell, I've got you know a 500-page city book we produced that I've never used once as a cohesive animal, um, but I use chunks out of it, and it doesn't matter whether they're in the northern part of the Gulf of Akados or whether they're down in, you know, in the, in the you know, other side of the desert from where the, the, the wastelands are there. It might, I, might, I can still pull one out of that book and I'll have a, have a, uh, you know, a rope maker or an a animal trainer, which is what she's always trying to find as animal trainers, mm-hmm. and, uh, or something like that. And it, 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 it really becomes a useful, um, it's still a random generated table. It just happens to have a bunch of detail to it. That's a good way to put it. And I think why random generated tables work so great in cities is because cities, I think we need to remember as a DM, a city is a very dynamic place where dungeons kind of can be, can be kind of static, right? A, a, a city, there's all kinds of stuff going on. It's got nothing to do with the PCs, right? A city's not waiting there for the PCs to roll in and just tear it up. Well, that could be fun, but that you know, in general, there's other people already tearing it up. I don't know right? your players, but that's my players, <laughs> right? But there's already people usually there tearing it up too, right? So right. they got to get mixed into that whole mixed thing going on. So you know, a, a city adventure is nice because you can involve. There's a lot going on. There should be a lot going on in your city. Yeah. I mean, good, evil, bad, indifferent, whatever. There's always stuff going on. It's easy just to you know supplant stuff in either for a further adventure you got going on down the line, whatever. Um, 
you know, we're doing, and since Bill's plugging, I'm plugging too, we're doing a lot of sewer adventures right now, our GC series. And basically, you've got this, whatever city you want, I don't, I don't care. I don't tell you what city you're going to use. You've got X city. Sweet. Well, guess what? They built X city on top of this ancient X city. And ancient X city said, we're tired of being down here. We're coming up. So the PCs are constantly up in this up here, right? And they're constantly being pulled down here. So, you know, there's something going on in the city yeah. versus this versus the PCs just going on in the city. Yeah. And that's great. That's the whole so, concept behind Tecumnel. I mean, that was yeah, the, the yeah, idea. Yeah. You had the ancients, you know, the ancient Jesus and the other 10,000 other things I still can't pronounce after this many years. Never. It doesn't matter. Uh, underneath, and they're crawling up out of the dungeon at you. It's and, the poltergeist plot. Oh, yeah. sorry. You built your suburb on top of it. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Damn it! And, uh, and the oh. interesting thing with that particular product back in 1975 was they mapped the whole city and they didn't map any of the dungeon. So it was like the, that was the, that was the thing that was weird. You got the thing; it's like there's this huge dungeon catacomb underneath it. None of it's mapped, uh, but the city itself was mapped, and that was the first the first time anything anybody did anything yeah. like that. Um, and it, 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 but that, that's great. I'm glad you guys are doing that. That's well, useful. It's because I don't want to design a city. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't either. But it's, it's more Vaughn, fun designing stuff Vaughn destroying to cities. Yeah, right? Greg Vaughn designs yeah. my cities for yeah. me. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a wilderness guy. Yeah, so, yeah. Do you have any other questions out there? <clears throat> no? Don, nothing? Come on. I don't have any questions at this moment. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Comments? You'll get a C for that, young man. Um, you know, I mean, if you guys want, there, there are some, there, one of the things that, you know, the one-off city adventure type thing, there is some stuff here, and I'm not certain who else of my compadres here probably has some in print as well, but stop by his booth or something, look at uh, um, Lost City Baracus, yeah. for example. We have, and that actually combines a lot of what you were just saying, it's like you've got, you know, without throwing a spoiler in, but you've got a lawful good temple that probably isn't. And they're doing some really devious things that the players have to, you know, sort their way through to solve. Um, it, it, but it creates, and it does eventually create a dungeon adventure inside the city, uh, similar to what Bill was talking about, <coughs> where they wind up in the vampire's house, right? So, you know, the, it, 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 there's, there's some creative things that can be done with that as one-shots that are pretty good. Sorry. Running a straight city campaign would make my head explode. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wasn't to talk. Great. Uh, my... my not necessarily a question, it's just listening to you guys talk some more, but for each of you, have you had some character or player in, in one of your games do something you thought was the most either exciting or most interesting thing or intriguing thing that was memorable to you, if you could pick one within a city? Within a city. Uh, can it be a jungle village in the hot house apocalypse? <laughs> sure. Um, I, I'm very proud as a judge of having successfully caused my players to accidentally act like heroes because they're murder hobos, mutant murder hobos. That's their thing. That's what they do. And I was able to set up a, a campaign arc that brewed over a very long time where they came back to the village with the Palisade Walls, and it's been taken over by an evil NPC that they captured who appeared to reform and has now infiltrated their tribal elders and has taken the place over. And the whole So they had to go assault their own little village that ended with a uh, mutant I rolled up using the Dungeon Crawl Classics Dragon Tables, which is not going to be your daddy's no. dragon. No. Land in the middle of the village and just crush a third of it. And suddenly my players are like, we're the heroes, and they went to town. And I thought That's that was awesome. pretty good to get the, mur the murder hobos <laughs> to jump in and, and defend their home turf. I was very proud of them for that. One of the things I found with um, 
city adventures is you can create some really neat ways to kill off your player care. Yeah. Uh, one game I'm involved in, we threw attacking rose bushes at them. <laughs> and now this is a first to second level party, and they were getting hit point one, two hit points at a time and getting knocked down. Well, they finally figured it out what to do, and they, they got through it. But they sure hurt at the end of it. And everyone said they had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Just making sure they have a great time. To answer your, your question from my perspective, probably the coolest thing, and this has actually transcended into a lot of the work we've done, was my college group, who were, were not murder hobos. These guys were like the lawful good, lawful good creeps. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was Clark Peterson, John Spiegel the Mage out of Rappanathic. For those of you guys who have seen this guy named John Murdoch. And, Dale Haynes, who was Flail the Great, the Cleric, and all those guys telling you about all these characters. But when they completed what ended up being the Sword of Air Adventure and they retrieved those big three holy artifacts, uh, they actually had this little village that they sort of patronized. And in OD&D, most of you guys know this. I mean, the, the objective was build build a wizard's tower, you know, build a castle. So they they had all done this. They built their so there's the big priest of Thier right next to the wizard tower, right next to the the thing. But then they get these three holy artifacts that have this wide area of effect of like protection from evil and stuff. And so they actually went out recruiting to other cities and saying, Hey, man. Come, we got plenty of money. Come live and farm our land. No taxes, you know. And so they, they ended up uh, they ended up creating a, a city of their own, basically by recruiting. They went out on like a, a marketing call to all the local local uh, uh, oppressed peasants and stuff, uh, along with their men at arms that had come with them and everything else. Where they, you know, they it was, it was interesting. But they they really they did it from a good guy perspective to, to create this, you know, I guess really a theocracy. Uh, uh, but it was, but they were all lawful good. Um, yeah, but if you're in charge and you make the laws, there's some yeah, flexibility there. Yeah. <laughs> flexibility. Yeah, I mean, well, Clark was the death penalty prosecutor for Clark County, Nevada, right? <laughs> so I mean, put that in perspective. But, uh, but uh, so yeah, the law was definitely the law. Uh, but it, but the, the the fact that they were able to do that and actually they spent probably three months of of real time. And of course, we were in college, so we were either chasing girls, drinking beer, or playing D&D, pretty much. We studied every now and then. Um, we played three, four times a week. I mean, they, they, they spent at least three months just getting their castles built and, you know, and, and, uh, and developing those villages and then making sure they could protect the villages. And I was throwing, you know, really, I was really being shitty, man. I was throwing, you know, wandering umber hulks, burrowing up underneath <laughs> the blacksmith shop and, you know, just totally screwing with them about it because I was bored. You know, they were like, come on, guys, you know, you... I don't. I don't. I'm, the, the the building of your wall around your fortress, it's it's going fine. When are you going to go do something? You know. And uh, but they, they they really loved it. They enjoyed it. The players enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, I think uh, you guys remember the, the TSR Slaver series. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, 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 originally, that that whole series starts on a town, a city called Highport, which was once a a regular city that got yeah, overrun by humanoids and everything. Now it's kind of a humanoid mix, evil kind of city, right? So. I got the PCs going to the, going to the city, and they're going to infiltrate the city, right, and find out where these slavers are coming from and all this kind of stuff. Well, you know, we're just we're just running, trying to run as best I can, prepare as best I can, and and one of these bozos winds up getting arrested, okay, thrown in jail. And I'm like, okay, so they're going to break him out. I'm like, they're not going to try and bribe anything. They're, they're going to break him out, right? Because they're just going. We're going to take matters in our hands. Well, during the breakout, it did everything went south. Another one got captured and tossed in the clink. And I'm thinking, well, they are never going to get to A1. I'm going to sit here and screw around with them, mess around with the city. Well, it actually worked out perfect because they all wound up getting captured at some point or another, and now I got thrown into A1. 
<laughs> so, you skip you know, right to 8th grade for that, man. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like deja vu all over. That kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, the dynamic nature of a city. You just kind of go with it. And, and the pre-planned stuff, no matter really what I pre-planned, it just uh, it got kind of crazy, you know. Um, pre-planned stuff seems to work less well in, right. uh, in a city. So, uh, like, when you look at, like, the big, like, plot boom of, like, the 80s, you know, uh, when we did see you know more of these uh, city adventures, a lot of those is, I mean, if you're not like strictly following, you know, a you know the progression of this is the way the plot goes. It's Dragonlance all over. Oh, seriously, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my. And it, it goes the Waterdeep trilogy of adventures. Yeah. The second adventure yeah. days, and it was yeah. after like probably halfway through the first first module, I gave up because the players had already developed, diverted so far from the plot yeah. that it was like I can't even begin to. Follow the rest of this because they one of the PCs married uh, the female chick who turned out to be Mistra, the goddess. So I'm like, well, they're throwing out the whole plot line for the rest of the adventures. Right. right. Good. That was, that was the back. Yeah. You don't need it. I know exactly. It turned out to be a much better adventure. You're smarter than the guy who wrote that yeah. thing anyway. That was the that was the urban environment backfire I was talking about in the beginning because even in a dungeon setting with limited options, your players inevitably will turn left when you need them to turn or right, drill holes right. The or find the or find the secret back door to the whole dungeon and go straight to level four. Right, yeah. so good in, in an urban and great, yeah, well, it's great. Good. We're on but, board, yeah. <laughs> but, but a city environment, those left turns are multiplied by yeah, you know thousand. factors of ten. Yeah. There's a million left turns they get. Yeah, no matter how many times I've told them, don't go down the well. They always yeah, seem to. <laughs> and talk about don't. But isn't that great? Because you know what's down the well, it's going to screw with them. In a city, you know, you just make up the thing, like, <laughs> and that's fantastic. Like down the well, there's this awful monster down there waiting to eat them. Okay, I'll put it on that monster down the alley instead. You know, yeah, yeah. it's it's if you if you want them to stay on track, I, I, I worry about that kind of logic of trying to keep them on track. I, I never can keep players on track. No, you can't. The the cool thing about City Two is is uh, I'm gonna give off. We we're talking about dungeon adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Don't split up the party. Also, you know, you know, the yeah. PCs never wanted the DM to split apart. We always want to try to split them apart, see what the hell happened, right? Right. And we don't care. Fire in the main. I don't care what happens to my dungeon, right? I don't care what happens, but just let's see what happens. If I give them split up in the dungeon. Well, in the city. They're gonna split up. Yeah. One guy's going over there, another guy's going over. You can yeah. all well, kinds. Of, then I, I, I just want to be clear. Uh-huh. Now, I'm all for the players right. going the yeah, yeah, yeah. Trap. I just only want to work so hard. Because well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, the table twiddling their thumbs while you go talk to Bob about what he's doing with the black. That, that's kind of why I was getting back to cities. And, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. got to go over there and do his little thing. That's right. Yep. The, yeah. the DM trap that a city can be. You can trap yourself, right? It's going to be fun to split them up. Oh well, what did I just do? But you know? it's also it's also that's interesting because I also see it as being kind of a trap for the players. Oh, it is because yeah because you know in a, as opposed to a dungeon where their actions have very little over encompassing consequences. Right. In a city, uh, these are living, breathing people who are going about their lives, uh, and so when a player walks in and decides to rob X or murder Y, there are legitimate consequences that affect the next. You know, ten people here. The next twenty people here. Um, hundred villagers. I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> I yield the floor to Doug. Yeah, Doug, are you supposed to be up here talking? I have a better no, question. Who left the door open? And I don't know how to run my city game. It's so overwhelming. The, the players can go everywhere. Yeah. Did, did we start the conversation? Yeah, that's that's where we already started. We've already been there. So, <laughs> so the players can go anywhere, and I can't plan for it. So I'm very intimidated. 
one of my players wants to go over here, one wants to go over there. You should, um, when, when this is, ends up on save or die, you should listen to the beginning of this conversation. Yeah. Right. And then you'll be good. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'll know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Either that, either that or... Yeah. Either that, Doug, or there's a, there's a, the D, the D, the D30 companion book that's in there. In, in for sale in there. It's not mine. It's somebody else's. Well, I want to. Ready, register. I want to answer Doug's question directly. Who's better, Fafford or Mouser? Hands. Hands down for Mouser. Hands up for Fafford. Fafford, man. Oh, you know I'm going with the spellcaster. It's Mouser. Mouser. With you. The bills are We got we got fucking Adams for Fafford, right? No, I'm fine for I prefer Fafford. So yeah. it's unanimous. Oh no, it's not. Dude, no, you guys are like mouse. Right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yes. Question. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Doug. My pen has question. I think this is a great way to introduce weird shit in your campaign. Uh huh. Because like you think about like a lot of the classic like games artists like Sigil. That's where you send your players when you want them to like rub shoulders with demons and stuff, you know. And it's like a it's a, a way of like easing your players into like weirdness. Very gently, I think it's like you know you you run into some weird shit back alleys in the city. And do you, the question is, I guess, do you guys agree with that sentiment? Yeah, because you can do something in a, in a non-threatening environment in a yeah. way, right? So you, you you've got them in a, you've got your players in or, a situation or a seemingly non-threatening. Well, environment, right, I'm thinking right, about your kid right. gang rules that were in. Oh yeah, or her that's, right. that's not me, man. That was all Doctor uh, Doctor uh, Reverend Doctor Edgar Johnson. Okay, well, that was I'm, him, but yeah. I pointed to use the Polish right. editor. Um, feed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at Monty Cook's Tolis, that's exactly what you're talking about, right? And it basically, the, the city's ruled, ruled by a frickin' pit feed, man. <laughs> right, but you can go in the city, you can interact with the city, It's nothing's going to eat you unless you do something that deserves you deserve to get eaten for, probably. Which the players will do. Yeah, yeah. they'll do. Which, and, uh, why not? I think that the real point there is that the city's kind of like a, like, um, a safe environment to introduce how weird you want your game to be, you know? Like like the extremes of your game you can ease players into in a relatively like cushy environment because there's there's an expectation of safety to some degree or another in a city. Um, and and so like the god alley cat god in the back alley, yeah, that okay, that makes sense. That's our that's our bar for weirdness in this relatively safe environment. Um, you know, uh, Doug would Probably comment that there's you know weird shit happening all the time in Lankbar. You know that's 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 how it goes. Um, Sigil, you're you're sending people to Sigil so that they can experience the weirdness of the planes in a safe environment. Uh, and, and so I think that really is the point of, of your comment, right? And is that is it kind of dilutes that stuff, still gives you the flavor, um, and makes it a little bit safer to deal with. It lets your players do it. They don't feel like. In a dungeon, you know, if you run into a demon, you're going to try to kill it, probably. If you run into a, a demon... you got to think about it a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. Uh, it might be I mean, running time. I mean, why do cities exist, right? Cities exist for mutual protection and for commerce. Mm -hmm. And so go. the motivation is commerce. So if you go into the city of Brass and meet the Sultan, you know, you might not meet the Sultan, but if you go to the city of Brass, you're probably either there for <coughs> commerce, diplomacy, or safety from something outside of that city of brass, right? Um, you know, that's that's the idea. So the motivation of the demon 
if you will, in the city of Sigil isn't to kill and eat you. It's to get you to bring him whatever it is he right. needs for... Right. There's, a, there's a moderating factor there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, but it's the, the concept is, is it, it, it's commerce and politics more than it is just straight-out violence like a dungeon is. So it, gives the, so it actually gives the players the a new set of role-playing skills to try to uh, exercise, <laughs> really, when you think about it. Does Which it? I think, in a lot of cases, in old-school games, is a little bit richer, right? I mean, because we don't have a ton of skills that are telling us, oh, we got to play like this, you know, we got to roll, you know, we got to have this I many mean, skills. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Instead, right. it's like, okay, no, no. actually come up with yeah. an idea yourself, right. you know, Any player X, Y, or Z. Role play, don't and then, Yeah, right? Any uh, character can do pretty much anything he wants to do in the city, yeah. I guess. And I think that's I why that's really a strength. that way, but, you know, he, yeah, he doesn't have, you don't have to look at my skills. She, oh, I can do X, Y, and Z while I'm in the city. Right. No, screw that. You can go do whatever you want in the city. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, now something's going to happen, but... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you can even going to happen. Right. No, I mean, <laughs> something's probably happening. Well, what's, what's nice in that, in, that, in that circumstance is that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I mean, yeah. and, and yeah. the DM's normally the goose, right? I mean, we yeah. get to say, like, okay, the world's like this. You know, have fun with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and in some ways, in a dungeon environment, players are much more limited than they are in a city, you know? Uh, like we've been talking, this is the whole, like, fear of things going off the rails, right? Uh, were we to, you know, pretend that any of us use rails. But uh, the, 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 the fun time, the fun part is that now in a city, they have as much, you know, players have as much creative power uh, and input as the DM does. I mean, they usually have a degree of power, but it's not the same, you know. And in a city, it's so much well, more. It's back to judging style, and everybody has their own. But yeah. my old school judging style is to say yes to the, anything the players suggest. But, but <laughs> right here's let's mediate that. And yeah. you're a player in my game. You can try anything, and uh, there's no dice involved. Convince yeah. me. You tell me. Right. Yeah. You, you dress up possibly, and you yeah. convince me. You did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what would you, in each of your games, consider to be a standard that should be in every city that makes it interesting? Every city. Every I can tell you what I don't consider to be standard that makes it interesting. Is a priest that can raise dead. <laughs> you mean make sure there isn't one? Yeah, I make sure there. I make sure that they. I make sure there is one around, okay. but not in every city. Yeah. So if you get killed here, you got to haul ass and travel Maybe there. Maybe a continent away. Yeah. Well, <laughs> more in my games, they're more common. More, more common than that. But now I'm screwed because she's ninth level or eighth level, and oh. if she can cast raise dead, so I'm, I'm, I'm shit out of luck on that. But. Number two behind that is no magic shops that are like yeah, no, oh, no, no magic no. shops. I let I want a plus two. I let people Saber. buy potions. Ah, we got one right here. I let people buy potions at some of the cities that are situated like right next to dungeons. They're random, like Mithras Tower. We let people buy occasional potions, Scroll. but it's random. No, no, because wizards don't trade scroll. scrolls. Not never. Um, they, the spells are way too precious to share. But like a Mithras Tower, the area outside Rappanathak, you can sometimes get, you know, a healing potion mm -hmm. or a fire resistance potion well, or something. Well, that housekeeping's got to be there. I mean, because yeah. like I said, there's a gold sink, right? You gotta, it's you, gold sink. I mean, yeah. you got to do some of that. Well, you've, you've read my wine, women, and song rules, right? Wow. <laughs> um, I, and I would say, I think what I, what I repeat myself when I said earlier, there's always something going on in the city, right? I, I, if my players are in any city, there's something going on. It's got nothing to do with them. And when they're in the dungeon, they probably a lot of times they feel like they're they're the big badasses on the block. Well, I'm gonna tell you, when they're in the city, there's a whole lot more people who are a lot more bigger and a lot more badasser than they are, and not necessarily on a stat level. Okay, it could be a politic level, it could be anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like the characters walking into a city saying, "Oh, I'm here. Where's the parade?" Right. Okay. No. 
No, not, not, none of that's no. going to happen. Yeah, the world so, does not actually, around. No, absolutely, it, it absolutely probably goes the other way. Yeah, right? they don't like them, man. They're, those, no. are, those are creepy yeah. mercenary guys, man. Yeah. I mean, you're, you yeah. know, they're, that's, Wherever these guys go, bad shit happens, bad shit happens right? right? So you know, Things catch fire. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we all know as a GM, something's going to happen when yeah, these yeah, yeah. walk in the city anyway. So. so, but yeah, Magic Shop's bad. Um, I think some people run really high Magic worlds, though. I mean, in Pathfinder, you can, like, make anything. Like four, a fourth level guy or fifth level guy can make miscellaneous items. Yeah, you should be able to make things. But you shouldn't be able to just walk into any. Well, you're Kmart. I mean, your mileage varies, but there shouldn't be a store where you can purchase things that you could build adventures around questing for. Right. Exactly. That's I agree right. with you. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. Like that, uh, in Lankmar, like the that story about the uh, aliens or something that um, you know they, they sell they, people think they're magic items and it's just garbage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's your magic shop. Come on in. Spend your yeah. gold. Yeah. yeah, I've done that to people, too. Buy, buy the fake magic items or the, yeah. You got John to buy a magic walking stick that was, like, just cut... Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> was, uh, was awesome. Well, I, uh, I, I'd like to get to Reese's question, and uh, I want to take a completely different answer, or tack, my answer, which is something that makes it different from the other cities. Like, what's it like to be there? Yeah. How, what's the aesthetic? What does it feel like to be there? What's the point of the city, like, from an experiential uh, standpoint? Give me an uh, example. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it like from a Sinbad movie city? Is it right, like, right, yeah, yeah. Rome. Like, like what's the, what's yeah, Rome is thematically, aesthetically different from you know from Paris. even even um, uh, I want to say Constantinople, yeah, okay. you know, because and, and visually we can see how that's different, we can feel how that's different, um, you know, and those are, each of those are going to be different from say Alexandria uh, to take another you know classical example mm -hmm. um, and Athens, you know, each one of these places is. Yeah, exactly. Right. So each one of these places has its its own, you know, you know, thematic uh, repertoire that it's drawing on, uh, and and they feel differently from each one. And your experience of being in those places is going to be different. Is he, Trump, Trump gonna, no, oh, no, don't call on that guy. guy. This guy was raising his hand. I'm raising my hand for, for him. him. Oh, we got it. Ask your question. You're helping. I was saying. I already asked it. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Doug. Keep, keep drinking, Doug. I'll catch up to you in a couple hours, buddy. Um, I, and I, you know, I, I agree with what you said, and that's that's one thing. Like you know, where where, where you have, I like to throw a little weirdness into some of them, like the Amazon village, right? Yeah. Where men are second class citizens at the end. Mm -hmm. You might be higher level than them, but you're not higher level than all 400 of them. Yeah. I had you an know? entire country that was like a uh, matriarchal India yeah. style culture where the females were in charge. Right. And the players were visitors, and the players were male, mostly male characters, male players. Yep. And they're like, so how do we adjust to this? <laughs> yep. did, did they even try to adjust, or did they, they try really, to power their way through it? They, at first they tried to power their way through it, but I slapped that down pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but making them all different does really matter. And um, I, I agree with that, You because can't, you can't have exactly the same thing. And, and it doesn't have to be hard. It's just oh. like Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. What different? What, this, what this shape are the, the aliens' foreheads in? Planet of pink aliens. What do their foreheads look like? What is it? You know, the same set redressed as. Yeah. That's my favorite page in uh, yeah, Star Space Second Edition. I got the yeah. Starship. Starships and Spacemen. Space my favorite page in the whole book. But anyone else? Any other questions? Thoughts? Or anybody else want to answer the question that we've been kind of spottily answering? About the what's a what's the must what's what's a must for your cities? What do you got to have? I'm not. I'm a little yeah, unlike Bill. Probably I, I like my cities to kind of like not have just weird stuff. They usually they just make sense. 
like they're re realistic places in the realistic world. My worlds are usually mostly more grounded in like realism and not so much high fantasy or just strangeness. Mm -hmm. So like the one I was saying earlier, the mining and logging town, I spent a lot of time like describing the terrain, describing that there's a mountain nearby, there's a waterfall nearby, describing all the, all the elements of that one small town so that it really felt visually very clear to the players. I think uh, when, when I run a city, um, you know, I, I try to, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about, you know, the, the city should have a personality and whatnot. Uh, but I think what's really important is, is the whole, you know, that, that each citizen in this city has, has a life that goes on whether mm. the players are there or not. Uh, so, you know, they're not just standing behind the counter waiting for them to come in to buy a drink. You know, the bartender's got a life, he's got a wife, he's got a kids, he's got goals, he's got his own personality. Uh, and, you know, how the players, you know, affect that, you know, has long-lasting consequences. Uh, I, um, you know, I remember, you know, this, this one small town uh, that they repelled uh, an orc invasion. It was a, it was a basic low-level kind of, kind of thing. Uh, but because they did this, you know, the citizenry looked upon them as, as the city guard. And so they began to come to them with with really basic bullshit problems. He stole uh, my goat. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, they, they, found themselves, they found themselves as mediators, for God's sake. Oh, awesome. uh, and, and, and they were good-natured about it because everybody likes to play the hero, but it was, you know, they're, they're suddenly trying to mediate, you know, like, you know. That's an entertaining like, thing, too, because yeah, you like, throw it in as a little bit of a filler space in between, you know, other things. Yeah, they were negotiating land boundaries between the <laughs> farmers. Um, and, and the more they did this, you know, suddenly they found themselves in, in the roles of, like, you know, understood noble, you know, nobly. Uh, and when it became obvious that I was setting one of them up to be elected, you know, mayor, that's when they cleared out. Uh, because that was, that was, that was just about enough. But, uh, but every time, you know, they visited another city, it had, just due to uh, nomads and travelers, it's like, oh yes, I love what you did with, uh, you know, Blue Foam, the, the sea, and they were like, oh Christ, not that place again. Um, <laughs> So that's, you know, I guess, you know, as far as the city is concerned, you know, it's, you, you've got to make sure that this place is not just a static location, that these people have lives and what the players are doing are affecting those lives. And, and I'm done. <laughs> I also, I, I echo a lot, of, a lot of that. Like one of the things Joan Arc over here is having to do now is, you know, she's getting ready to build her, her temple, right? Because mm -hmm. she's going to be ninth level. And so she wants those 300, I know. And uh, I thought you hit eighth. Still seventh. Good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh God. Yeah, I got a text on that. You know, dad, tell daddy. Tell daddy he's screwed. Ray's dead, baby. And, uh, that was because uh, she was playing a mass game at the time. Uh, but she's having to save money to do that. And so, and you figure, okay, three hundred and sixty men at arms don't just show up, right? Like, so where you start building this temple, you go. I'll put the cornerstone down here. Well, the local villagers and people, all that stuff. The the crappy part about having a cleric, is, of course, they do it for free. But you know, they uh, she's got to pay the materials. And unlike the fighters, who've got to pony up their thing. But how does she get those three hundred sixty guys? Well, you got to have a reputation as being like somebody that these followers want to come follow. Mm -hmm. What yeah, you were just describing is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why would they want to follow? <clears throat> yeah. Other than the fact that they can raise dead, which kind of makes yeah, me happy. You know, the biggest thing, if you travel, the biggest difference between cities is the people. 
you know, their culture, how they interact with themselves and other people, what they eat, you know. It, yeah, architecture to some degree and, and things like that, but putting that in with your game helps a lot too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're in Istanbul and you see two men walking down the street holding hands, that means something different than here in the States, you know. It's, and that can shock your players and really set up, you know. Yeah, exactly. Every every city, and I think Adam really hit it when when you were talking about the the various you know the various cities, and that is you know every city should not be you know the same city. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think that's you know it's kind of a trap that that that, that some refer. I know that it's a problem that I have, and that is that every city starts to kind of run into the same. Every city's got the exact same kind of. Feel to the exact same, and that's something that you need to break out of whenever you do. For Twenty years, I made it the generic. <laughs> yeah, because it's because it's because it's easy. Yeah, it went to humble every time. <laughs> oh yeah, and for and for, for thirty five years, most people who've been playing for that long flipped through their city state of the immense boy overlord to find the Boyer Fletcher, and flipped through that to find the blacksmith, and found the the the, the Green Frog Tavern, <clears throat> um, or whatever it might be. Which you know, I mean, just because that's what you had, that was the resource available. Well, don't be, you know, I think the thing about cities, too, is, is don't be afraid to turn it on its head, right? It, it, a city's dynamic, as much as it's, it's, it's got its political system, it's got everything moving on, it's got its culture, it's got everything. Don't ever be afraid to turn it on its head and have something happen when the PCs get there. Nothing should be set in stone. No, I mean, nothing. Because you know, then the players don't feel like they can change anything. Ever. And I, you know, I come, of, I, I come from a school, too, of, of, of writing and DMing where I, I like to have pressure on the PCs all the time and the players all the time. So when <laughs> they come to a city that's true. Right, right. When they come yeah. to a city, something's gonna happen, you know, good or bad, indifferent, something's gonna happen and it's and, and they're gonna be involved with it some way or another or get dragged into it like a fly in the ointment. But you know, I, I just like doing that. And and because you know, you can't be afraid to, to do that with your city. Make your city work for you as a DM and that doesn't mean it has to work like the city's supposed to work. Okay. Um, it's it's Get those players, don't get them out of that comfort zone. I'm in the city, I'm going to the tavern, I'm kicking back my feet up on the table. Okay, well, you're doing that? Well, a fire starts and the whole block's burning down now. What are you going to do? You know, uh, you know, this cult just moved in and is taking over. Um, what are you going to do? So, yeah. snakes I, everywhere. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you see, this be another snake cult. Yeah, there ain't, nothing wrong, there ain't nothing wrong with that. So, uh, you know. A city is meant to give you as a DM a little bit, I think, license to exercise a little bit more of that free will, a little bit more of that your own expression of what you want to have happen. I think that, that's how I look at a city overall. A historically accurate medieval city is a dirty, smelly, boring place. Bore, exactly. Yeah. Right. That nobody right. lived past 30. Right. right. So that's why not have a DM move in? You're right. Mm -hmm. So. Question? Uh, more comments. So uh, I'm at the DCC a lot, but one of the things you mentioned, like the, the cults sort of stuff, is when we're in a town, that's a lot of what's going on. Is you know, it's either battles between cults or religions or something. You're not, you're able to uh, political. You know, here's the mayor and that. But it's the cults that in the city that are really pushing what we're supposed to be trying to do or what we're trying to prevent. Um, or hey, these two cults have been battling each other for ages, and we just kind of weighed in, you know, the storm of what they're doing right now. Um, in, just in the city itself, you know, we're going there for equipment and, you know, lodging. It's like, oh, there's all this other crap going on around us. But, you know, the, the cults, I thought, was, was a, has been a nice way to introduce 
chaos, uh, controlled chaos. You need to come see our blood cult, you'll love it. That's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. You'll love it. That's exactly what that's about. I mean, it, it starts off with you can run as a campaign, and that's the whole idea. The PCs go, come, get invited into the city, they got to clear out this old mansion that, that is a blight on the place, and if you clear it out, you can take it over. Oh, that's all great. So they go clear it out, take it over. The very first night they're in there moving into their new mansion, the, uh, the, the Archmage's tower blows up, his cult is moving in, and they're destroying anything and everything that's got to do with magic, including magic users. Number one target. And nice. now the PCs think they're all safe in the city. Well, guess where they got to get the hell out of now? So, you know, cults are a great way to mess with a city. Great way to do it. Well, in DCCs, as particularly for wizards and elves, DCC has that uh, the patron system. Which is fantastic yeah. for that stuff because every patron has its own agenda, especially with you know like so some of us have been playing DCC for a while. We've been messing around. I'm sure all of us who have have been messing around with patron rules here and there. Like I allow players to have multiple play patrons. That's a great way for them to pit themselves against themselves. You know, it's patron cool. artificial intelligence. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, so. Uh, the nice thing is, is that the players can find themselves on so many different sides of the same problem, which uh, is... Well, what I, what I like is when you have you know, several wizards and several clerics. Yeah. Not a whole lot of fighters or anything else in the group, but it's like, that's what it's made of. It's like, they have all these other focuses that they need to, mm -hmm. to do in, in one game, and, you know... But Bugboo Bills demands one thing, and your well, you, God demands something The best else. adventure hook ever is when you've got competing cults or wizards or clerics, yeah. and the players cannot figure out whose side they're supposed to be on. <laughs> what's, the, what's the module? Uh, the, the, one of the best city modules of all time. Uh, Veiled Society Veiled does Society, this. Yes. Oh, yeah. um, and they, they start off, uh, you have your wizardly types in one group, and then your thiefy types in another group. And you know, uh, uh, right. one faction approaches one group, and another faction approaches the other, and that's how the whole adventure starts. And the PCs are running around no armor and daggers, right? Right, because they're in because they're in a city. Got a law, right? No armor, no no weapons. I, I think armor. there was armor. So, like, something crazy. Yeah, right. yeah, it was like no armor heavier than. It's leather. not like they're walking through a dungeon all loaded for bear, right? Right, so, right. And it, yeah, it was a, it's a great hook, you know. Like let's you're splitting the party first off. Again, always a great idea if you're a DM. <laughs> <laughs> Um, second, you you know they're underpowered, and third, you're pitting them against each other. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that is a great module. Mm -hmm. That yeah. is a great. David Cook is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. that was good. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Because I I'm in at least need to split pretty soon because I'm gonna go get set for my gaming stuff. Yeah. yeah. Momentarily here. Any more questions? And feed my daughter. I probably better do that. I know. She's scary. She, you brought the, the like child when I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I don't know if everyone knows that, but you know, Frog God Games is all the all the books that you guys have ever gotten are packed by a horde of slave children. Probably, probably by me, but there's about like a 50% chance they're packed by one of the clan. Yeah. We get we get we get we have eight kids that work for us in fulfillment between 10 and 10 and 15. I can edit that part out of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go on record with it. Hey, man, those kids are set up, and they got good jobs. They're not working fast food. 15 and under, too. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah four, of them are, four of them are my godchildren. Two of them are my kids. So we're, Most we're of us are happy to be working anyway. Oh, so they're psyched, yeah. They're hard-working farm kids. Well, I think, <laughs> unless we have any other questions, I think then because of time and because we are getting close to that 8 o'clock time slot, yeah. and I, I still have to flip through 
Invisible Cities to find the page that I'm running tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this, this is your con prep time. Yeah, but seriously. Uh, yeah, exactly. Seri no, that's how I do. A serious plug for that D30 companion. Anyone who doesn't have it, go take a look at it. It's really, really good. Um, and uh, and those ready refs, those are excellent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a gold ready ref sheets. Yeah, ready ref sheets. Yeah, get them. Mike, Mike's got a few cases of them. He puts them up on eBay. Back in the day, so. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, both those are just really invaluable resources. And of course, plugs for my Kickstarter. Yeah. But and yes. if any of you guys already have Frog Eye Games books and you want to sign, Bill will be at the yeah. my booth on Sunday signing books. Yeah, I'll be in there. Uh, we two two of my distributors are here right next to each other. So. <laughs> um, that's the one. That's it. That's yeah, it right one. there. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a whip-ass book, man. Okay. That's, that's one of the few actual books. I, I, I didn't bring it here, but I very frequently travel with that one. It's not, that's not mine. That's somebody else that, makes that. That one is, at, that one is on the back side of, the, uh, of Roy's booth. Yeah, it's yeah. Roy's, on Roy's booth. It's, it's worth every penny, and um, it's, it's really good. It's really all, good. All of his products are good, actually. I've got, I've got all of them, yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't go on record with that. <laughs> um, that and Tome of Adventure design. Tome of Adventure go with design. Me. Sounds Every like he's got the last of them. I, I'm out. Might have gone. Yeah, so John's got the last 10 or 15 copies of those. We may reprint them, um, but it will, the, the, the first edition, the original one, this is it. This is, you've got the last. You've got, okay. you've got the last. So if anybody's out, come by and give me your name and email or whatever, and we can hook you up. See, reprinting that sounds like a badass stretch goal. <laughs> well, yeah, it might be, actually. That actually might be a stretch goal. We put on something, a small Kickstarter later, yeah. well, like one of the Quest of Doom ones or something, mm -hmm. where because 5e players are never going to get it. It's yeah. gone. Mm -hmm. It'd be, yeah. I mean, it's just gone, right? But amongst so, all the books that I hear people talk about, that's one of the ones that I get most, you know, yeah. Well, that's the, th the tricky part about doing is the reprint because we sold 2,500 of them. We'll figure 2,400 of them with 100 yeah. damaged given away yeah. sitting on my bookshelf that I've used because I didn't have my other one, so I just grabbed the new one, whatever. Um, there's, there's, we, I mean, we, there's 2,400 there, and there, we're down to whatever you've got in stock because Paizo's out of stock, we're out of stock. Um, Noble Knight, I think, is out of stock because he keeps asking me for yeah. restocks. Nobody's got them. So you got the last. John, you're the man. You got it. Yeah. You guys, anybody else want to pimp something real quick before we wrap up? Oh. Come visit us at the yeah, 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 yeah. Take care, of, take uh, care of your vendors. Don't Everybody up here has something for sale down there, right? I Absolutely mean, nothing to do with <laughs> except for me. But two of my distributors you have, have stuff my for stuff sale. For sale. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm some simple. I actually not. I don't have to do a booth. This I'm bad at this, but I should do this. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with Urban Invention, but Goodman Games released a Dungeon Crawl Classics adventure specifically for UConn called Synthetic Swordsman of the Purple Planet, which I have by some guy named Jim Wampler. Which I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> and, 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 and some of these guys already have played in it this morning. So, very cool. Please come buy a copy and keep me employed. There we go. Right, well, thanks everybody for being here. Yep, you've been still on fun. Thank, thank you guys for coming. Um, have fun getting your evening game slots. Game on, right? Yeah. Game on. Game on. Let's go eat. This has been a Save or Die Special Report.